This is the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief, keeping you informed about the happenings in Annapolis and the area. Local news, local sports, local events, local opinion, and of course, local weather. The Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief starts now. Good morning. It's Monday, May 13th, 2019. This is John Frenet, and this is your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Beverly Wilborn, the executive director of the Annapolis Housing Authority, will be stepping down this fall on October 31st when her contract runs out. Now, Wilborn's contract had initially been extended by a year after an outcry from residents and housing authority staff saying that she was doing such a good job. Now, Wilborn is credited with stabilizing finances at HACA, and she also shepherded the start of the RAD program. In 2017, housing authority properties were converted from public housing to Section 8 housing assistance under RAD, so housing authorities could actually rebuild under Section 8 voucher programs. She did have a challenge with crime, and that still lingers today. The public housing communities are home of a lot of the crime that does occur in the city of Annapolis, and according to a former board commissioner, John Dillon, there needs to be collaboration with the Annapolis police to address it, and he told the Capitol that there was no management plan in place or no security plan in place, and I think that continues until today. While Wilborn did lead some stabilization to HACA, HACA's Board of Commissioners was anything but, and there are still several vacancies on that board that need to be filled by Mayor Gavin Buckley. The HACA commissioners have hired a company called Gans & Gans Associates to search for Wilborn's successor, and they do plan to start interviews within the next five weeks. You got a kid in the Anne Arundel County Public Schools? Listen up. The last day for class for most is going to be Friday, June 14th. However, if they are at Arnold Elementary, Edgewater Elementary, George Cromwell Elementary, High Point Elementary, Jessup Elementary, or Chesapeake Bay Middle School, you get out a little bit earlier. The last day will be Thursday the 13th. And because it's the end of the year and because the calendars for schools always get screwed up, here's just a few dates to remember. The last day of school for graduating high school seniors will be Thursday, May 23rd. And schools will dismiss two hours early on Thursday the 13th and Friday the 14th. Punkin Chunkin, which was a decades-old tradition on the southern Delaware Peninsula, started by a bunch of guys who had too many leftover pumpkins after Halloween and decided it'd be fun to see who could build a contraption to launch it the furthest. It carried on for several years in a small field in Lewis and eventually moved to Sussex County until a tragic accident killing a woman in 2016 put the event on hold. Now the organizers are vowing to bring the Punkin Chunkin World Championships back and they are likely heading out of Delaware to do it because Delaware has all sorts of insurance insurance concerns. Where might they go to find 600 acres of space to launch pumpkins that can travel close to a mile through the air? How about Ocean City, Maryland? Ray Meehan, the mayor of Ocean City, said right now the town is still studying the idea to see if the event could work there. He said they're proposing to put the machinery, the cannons, out on the beach parking lot and launch the pumpkins into the Atlantic Ocean. However, Meehan did caution that they have to get approval from the U.S. Coast Guard because the area there is part of the channel that leads into the Ocean City Inlet. Meehan does seem to be a little bit of a fan. He says it is a successful event in its own right, and if we can put our mark on it, if we find that we can put this event on in the manner that Ocean City is used to putting on events, make it safe, make it fun, then I think it's something that moves forward. That will be interesting to be good to see Pumpkin Chunkin coming back. Hey, great news for the Samaritan House. Back on May 1st, they hosted the 6th annual Burritos for Beds breakfast fundraiser at Chevy's Fresh Mex. Brought together great food and a great cause, and more than 150 people donated more than $14,000 during a three-hour donation-only event at Chevy's Fresh Mex. 
You could come in. There was no cost. They did encourage a donation. You could pick up a breakfast burrito, some, some fresh fruit, some pastries, some juices and drinks, and help the mission of the Samaritan House to provide support system for a strong and sober community. Now, Burritos for Beds was first held in 2014 to raise funds to construct a new residence hall, and that goal will be achieved late this summer as the Samaritan Center opens up, which will double the number of clients that the house can accommodate from 16 to 32. So this Burritos for Beds breakfast has been a wild success. If you want more information on the Samaritan House and all the great work they do, go to SamaritanHouseAnnapolis.org. And right now, get out your calendar and put down May 1st, 2020 for the 7th Annual Burritos for Beds. All right, that does it for our news this morning. Please make sure you're checking out ionanapolis.net throughout the day for any updates throughout the day. You want to check out that first link in our show notes to find out all the different ways that you can connect with us and give us a recommendation and a review if you are any place where you can do that. Of course, please give us a recommendation to your friends, family, and colleagues. I appreciate it very, very much. Coming up, we do have George Young with your local DMV weather. I've got a little bit of an opinion piece about the upcoming elections in Ward 6 in the city of Annapolis. And all of that will be coming up right after this brief message about MacMedics in Severna Park. Have you ever been to the Annapolis Mall when it opens for the day? Maybe you've noticed the line of folks waiting to get into the Apple Store. As you may know, I'm a Mac user, and today's episode of the Daily News Brief, in fact, all of the episodes of the Daily News Brief, have been produced right here on my Mac computer. What you might not know about is MacMedics. They were founded here in Annapolis in 1989, and they are an Apple-authorized premium service provider, the only one in the Baltimore-Annapolis, D.C. area. And what that means to you is that they repair all Apple devices, including the iPhone screens and batteries, all without an appointment. And most repairs are done the same day, usually within two hours. They also sell everything except the iPhone and the watch for the same price as Apple. I don't know why you would go anywhere else. Give them a call at 410-757-MACS, or if you're not into the whole letter thing, 410-757-6227. Stop by their retail store in Severna Park on Benfield Road, or their service center in Lanham, right off of Route 50. Or you can always check them out online at macmedics.com. I'll tell you, they've saved me quite a few times, and I know they can save you. Going out? You need the most up-to-date local weather. Here's George Young from DMV Weather in Annapolis with today's forecast. Hey everyone, this is George with DMV Weather, and this is your Eye on Annapolis forecast for Monday, May 13th. It wasn't a pretty day yesterday across the Annapolis region, but it was a perfect one, as we all got to celebrate Mother's Day in some way, shape, or form. And while the week ahead won't be a very pretty one either, with fairly cool temps on the hold and a small but valid chance for more rain showers today, as well as Thursday and Friday, the reward could be the weekend ahead, with possible sunshine in upper 70s to mid-80s for highs. But until then, look for cool, cloudy, and gray today, with showers possible and highs near 60, with more temps near 60 tomorrow with some breezy winds as well before what should be a nice day Wednesday with sunshine and highs near 70. Okay, that's it for today. This is George Young of DMV Weather. Make it a great day out there. Be sure to get our free app on all of your devices by searching for DC MDVA Weather in the Apple or Google App Stores. And also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and on our website at dmvweather.com so you can always stay weather informed. This is Sarah Koenig, host of the Serial Podcast. I'm coming to Annapolis, to Maryland Hall, on Friday, May 17th, for an onstage conversation about how we created Serial, how we make stories, well, how we make them good, and why they matter. I hope you'll come. For tickets, go to marylandhall.org. 
he started to get down on one knee and I saw the ring and I saw him and um, I honestly don't know that I said yes right on the back. She didn't say anything. <laughs> she was just shaking for a little while and then I think you said yes eventually. Yeah, I guess I, I did. So. <laughs> I'm Steve Samaras of Zachary's Jewelers. That was John and Michelle's story of yes. For a chance to win a beautiful, rare, responsibly sourced Forevermark Tribute Collection diamond pendant, share your story at astoryofyes.com. So many different stories in the news, and everyone has an opinion. Here's ours. Hey, Annapolis, we have a special election coming up, and by this time tomorrow morning, we will know exactly who's in and who's not running for alder person in Ward 6. Now, according to the city code, the mayor needed to declare a vacancy in the seat within five days of former alderwoman Henson's resignation, at which time dates for a special election also had to be announced. The mayor took this to the very end. Henson likely resigned just after midnight, essentially giving the mayor one additional day. The code also says that the primary must be between 23 and 30 days of that declaration, and the general election must be between 21 and 30 days from the primary election. Pretty cut and dried, or so it seems. But let's take a look at the dates. Henson resigned on the 29th, or it might have been the 30th, so the mayor would need to make that vacancy declaration between the 30th and the 4th, or the 5th, and he ended up choosing the 5th. Therefore, that primary could be held anywhere between May 23rd and June 4th, and he chose June 4th. Based on that June 24th date, the general election could be held anywhere from June 25th through July 4th, and he chose July 2nd. Do these dates have any significance? Perhaps. By extending the vacancy declaration to the maximum, he put the general election as close to a federal holiday as possible. July 4th is the third most traveled holiday in the United States behind Christmas and Thanksgiving. One might assume that many people might be traveling or preparing to travel during that time period and might actually miss the election, unless they request an absentee ballot. Now, Ward 6 is a highly Democratic ward with a significant number of residents living in public housing. According to the voter rolls, the majority of them are registered Democrats. Now, with the 4th of July holiday travel, who might be more inclined to travel away from Annapolis and not be present for the election? Would it be middle to upper middle income homeowners and renters who seem to be split evenly between Democrats and Republicans? Or would it be the lower income families living in public housing that tend to vote Democrat? Another curiosity is that the ward has two polling places assigned to it, the Mount Moriah AME Church and the Eastport Community Center. But last week, the Board of Elections reduced it to one location, despite the city code requiring any changes to be done 13 weeks in advance of an election. And that one location the Eastport Community Center. And if we'll all remember back in 2012, they also combined it into that one voting center, and there were several residents of the ward that were very vocal about refusing to vote there due to concerns for their safety. Much of the crime in Annapolis does happen in or near public housing, so will the voters who typically vote at Mount Moriah steer clear of the election? Who knows? I guess we'll find out. And we all know that shenanigans are not limited to St. Patrick's Day at all. Could the powers that be be looking to thumb the scales in this election just a little bit? With what should be a very small field of candidates, likely only one, two, maybe three, I suspect the turnout to be very light, and this election will go to whoever gets 100 votes. That's just my guess. In fact, unless a Republican or Independent steps up to the plate, we may know exactly who the next alder person will be at the primary, just as we did when Alderman Henson was elected. I might be wrong, and it won't be the first time I'll be the first to admit that, but I've been watching politics play out in Annapolis through the terms of four different administrations. We'll see. And that's what I'm thinking today. 
You've been listening to the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Tell your friends and colleagues this is the podcast where you can keep up on the latest with what's going on in Annapolis. And also tell them about our website, ionanapolis.net, where you can find even more information. This podcast comes to you every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., keeping you informed with the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. And take a moment to listen to our other podcast, The Maryland Crabs, released every Thursday at noon.